Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. New theme Thursday. Uh, my man Patrick uh, dedicates uh, Thursday to a brand new theme of some sort. Today, it's all about a legendary guitarist, Jeff Beck, who passed away. Uh, was it yesterday or early this yesterday. week? Yesterday. Yesterday, it passed away. And uh, he was one of the greatest, most uh, legendary guitarists in music history. My man Patrick educating us on his iconic status. And that's what today's uh, new theme is all about, tribute to Jeff Beck, RIP, to the late, great Jeff Beck. Uh, all right, we're going to get to some uh, Super Wildcard Weekend preview stuff. Specs text line wide open, 512-337-3776. You also can hit us up via Twitter. I'm at Rod Davis in the Twitterverse. My man Patrick Davis said it's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. I want to start with the AFC because we've been heavy – you know, kind of NFC dominate when we talk about the wild card weekend so far. We talked a ton about the Cowboys, and I've talked a lot about the 49ers just because the 49ers are one of my uh, favorite teams. And we'll make our Super Bowl predictions actually, and our conference championship predictions tomorrow. Um, but honestly, Patrick, one the AFC I think is an easier breakdown uh, and analysis because you got two third-string quarterback starting for two of your AFC uh, representatives in the playoffs. Uh, for the uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, we know now that Lamar Jackson will not play. Um, he hasn't practiced with the team since week 13. He's not going to play. There's belief that this is not all physically re- uh, injury-related stuff here, that there's a belief, and I, more rumor and conjecture than anything, that Lamar Jackson's contract status also may be affecting Do you think he's playing his- a- Kawhi Leonard? Uh, that's, that's an interesting comparison. That, that's an interesting comparison because the, the organization cannot afford to try to force him or compel him to play. Not with his contract status right now. Yeah. Because he's unsigned. Well, he's, he's in a contract year, I should say. I, I could believe that he wants to make sure he's 100% healthy and maybe if he had signed a contract before this year that was guaranteed, he may go in at 60%. I think so. I think he may force it more. If he had his I, money. I don't think that he is. I definitely think he's still hurt. I know, yeah, of course. He but is. again, it's this is the part of the season where everybody's hurt, and it's just the thing. But it's also Lamar Jackson that if you go, can you run? And if he goes, no, then you're like, well, cool. Yeah, I'm fine with sitting you then, because if I build an offense about you being our only piece of attack, and you're just going to run the ball the whole game, and you can't really run or you can't cut, I like you have to be mobile. You're Lamar Jackson. You're not. We can't build a game plan where you're a pocket passer. I, I totally agree with you, and it's one of those things. And I see both sides of this. It's almost you ever, you ever try to you know console uh, two parties or like two a uh, couple, right? Two people in a relationship who had a fight or something, and you try to listen to both sides independently, and you come to the conclusion that actually both of y'all made valid points. Both yeah. of y'all are right in this situation. I feel that way about Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens and his contract uh, negotiation. Lamar Jackson is saying, hey, I need to be paid. He's essentially asking for the biggest contract for a quarterback thus far, and that's usually been the precedent. Whatever quarterback's up, they usually end up setting the the new kind of standard, setting the market, if you will, for the quarterback position. I believe there's some there's also uh, reports that he wants to be uh, a guaranteed. Uh, cash quarterback like Deshaun Watson. He wants to be one of those quarterbacks where the entire contract is also guaranteed, which I, I feel him. I feel him on that. That I, I've said for years, quarterbacks, at least quarterbacks, should be getting guaranteed contracts if no other position in the NFL is getting it. But I also, and, and this season proves it, I also see the Ravens side of things. Well, man, 
why would we give you a guaranteed contract when, yes, you're amazing and you're extraordinary, but the style of football you play does leave you exposed to a higher risk of injury than other quarterbacks? For example, it, you are not playing for us in a playoff yeah, game. Yeah, so I see both sides. I see, yeah. I see his side, too. He's like, hey, man, it's, you know, hey, I need my money, so I will be more incentivized to go out there 65% and give it all I got if that is the case. I, I think he'll end up being a Baltimore Raven. There's no way. Some people are saying if they trade him, they could. They could they could franchise him and trade him. I do think they'll look back on it as an an organizational uh, miscalculation. If I was a Ravens fan, I would want to keep Lamar Jackson. I think as a fan of the NFL, I want them to trade Lamar Jackson. Oh yeah, yeah, it'd be it'd be, it'd be fascinating. It'd I want be- him to go to Atlanta. <laughs> I want him to go. I think that's the team who would trade for him. I want they him to go to Miami. I want to go to Mike McDaniel. No, 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 no. I love that. I don't think they have the picks to go get him. They probably don't because they – yeah, but you're right. Think about that speed. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. If we put him there, that's ridiculous. But they can't – I don't know if they could pay him and pay Tyreek Hill and pay – Yeah, I know. Well, I don't don't know if they could do that. I like that, yes. No, no, in a perfect world. (laughs) No, no, I'm with you. I'm just saying who who will be in the sweepstakes. They should should try to get in it because it would make them unstoppable. Yeah. No, but I'd love to see him there. And then you put Kyle Pitts with him. The Kyle Pitts has been underused. The tight end they got a few couple years ago Atlanta turned him into the new Mark Andrews. I just like I just in my head it makes sense. I know, but uh, again, he's probably going to end up being a Baltimore Raven. Yeah. But all of it goes back to this week. I don't think if he plays or if he doesn't play, it's going to matter. The Bengals are playing really good football right now. I, I think the Bengals win this game whether he plays or not. Uh, oh, and so the Ravens. You're saying, it, you're saying it, even if he'd played, you, you would have yeah, picked the Bengals. I, I, and I mean, wow. I maybe if you said he was playing 100 percent and he had been playing lights out football going into this and scoring three TDs a game, then maybe I'd have a different opinion. But you were saying even if a like best case scenario and 75 percent Lamar Jackson plays in this game, you're going to get beat by 100 percent Joe Burrow and this in this Cincinnati team who's really good. They are really good. They 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 don't have a lot of flaws. Their biggest issue right now injuries on the O line. But we've saw we've seen Joe Burrow last year make it to the Super Bowl as the most sacked quarterback in the history of the Super yeah. Bowl. So he can deal with pressure. And by the way, the O line it did improve. They uh, he was sacked ten less times than he was last year, um, and he was sacked. How about this? Forty one times total this this past season. Thirteen of those came in the first two games. He's only been sacked twelve times since week nine. So he's he's getting better at avoiding pressure. O line's getting a little bit better at blocking. But remember, they lost Lyle Collins early in the year to a torn ACL. They've lost Alex Kappa most recently to an ankle injury. So that's the big concern for the Bengals. But I totally agree with you. The Bengals right now they're hot, just like they were last year at the right time. I think they've won eight straight. They've won ten of their last eleven. Yeah, really right behind the 49ers. You can make the argument that the Bengals uh, or Kansas City, I guess you want to throw them in there, are the second uh, hottest team in the NFL. And this, and this Baltimore defense has not looked like the Baltimore more defenses of past where I think they are they're going to be able to exploit it enough with Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase and T Higgins it's just I think that I don't think that the Ravens would be able to match the amount of points that the Bengals will put up in this game that's a great point but it's something about uh the Ravens matchup with Joe Burrow and I can't really put my finger on it either I don't know if it'll be a huge factor in this game but he does not have his best games against the Ravens uh Joe Burrow had a 23 and a half QBR uh, the second worst QBR of 2022 uh, when he uh, last faced first uh, faced the Ravens in his first game with the Ravens of 2022. He had 32 QBR. For some reason, 
he does not really perform well against them, and I don't really get exactly what it is. Now, last season, he cooked the Ravens last year. But this year, not so much. Some of his uh, most sub uh, these subpar performances, I would say, this year have come against the Ravens. Now, that's in division, so they know him really well. And the Ravens' defense, since they acquired Roquan Smith, Oh man! You see why they gave him all that money yeah. and made him one of the highest, the highest paid off ball linebacker in history. Since they acquired Wilkron Smith, they have gone from allowing twenty two point nine points per game without him, which was twentieth in the NFL, to allowing fourteen point seven, which is second in the NFL. Uh, they were allowing three hundred sixty five yards without Roquan Smith. That was twenty fourth best in the league. And since acquiring him, they're allowing 288 yards per game, which is third best in the league. He's been unbelievable. As a matter of fact, in the last quarter century, that's right, quarter century, um, <laughs> he is the he and Ray Lewis are the only linebackers, sorry, the only defenders, period, to have at least 150 tackles, at least three interceptions, and at least three sacks in a season. He's just been a monster. And wasn't Roquan Smith the other guy who was trying <laughs> to uh, – man or? Uh, uh, and manage himself. You might be right about this. Because I feel like you that was a deal right. is that he wanted that trade out of the Bears, and then uh, he had an agent, but the agent wasn't certified. So if you're not a I certified NFL agent, this. you can't have conversations with yeah, other teams or anything. I think I remember this. So he had to basically call teams himself to look for trades. Wow. Well, if he, if he negotiated that last deal, he did a good I, job. That's what I'm saying. So he did something right because – but I'm like, the Ravens must just love guys who don't have managers and agents. And you, I think it's so awkward in negotiations <laughs> to have to play hardball with management and a GM who is technically your boss and then have to have them address you in the locker room, which is a, kind of a different culture there. Yeah. Uh, but Lamar Jackson, him and his, his mom, I think, is like his advisor, actually, while he's negotiating his yeah. deal. Yeah, because the NFL has a thing where you have to be part of the agent's yeah. Like whatever group it is, you have to be certified. Certified by the to have a conversation. So if you just mm-hmm. have a friend or a family member that is you that's helping you, they can't be involved in any of it, really. Yeah, you have to have the meeting, then go talk to them afterwards, and then come back to another meeting. Just go hire an agent. It's only like this is like three or four percent or something like yeah. that. Just uh, it's it's well worth it. I think to hire the agent. Uh, okay, let's get to uh, the Bills because I also think this matchup here um, actually is going to be. A foregone conclusion, I think the Bills are going to win, and it could end up being a blowout. The Bills right now, uh, you go look at it versus the uh, Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins are going to be starting Skylar Thompson, and the fact of the matter is they cannot even weaponize their biggest assets or most important assets, which are uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. They can't even do it without um, one of their quarterbacks in there or without Tua. So I— that that game is going to be over with before it starts, in my opinion. I don't know how competitive that game is going to be. No, uh, yeah. You know? I mean, if you – Miami didn't look great after the Tua first injury. They haven't looked great. Like, they haven't had that th- step to them. I think mm-hmm. Mike McDaniel maybe be able to pull something out if he had one of his starters. But considering, again, he's on his third-string quarterback. I, it's the Bills. They they just seem like they're, they're, they're starting to get hotter right now again, they're too. Yeah, so they they're rolling again, too. It doesn't seem it. But – there is one other AFC game, and that one is going to be interesting. That one will be interesting. That's uh, that's what I want to get to. Uh, but just one little quick thing about the yeah. Bills. Uh, they're 13-point favorites or maybe 13-and-a-half, depending on what book you're looking at, um, versus Miami. Uh, that is a, If it ends up being more than 11-and-a-half, that will be the largest wild card round point spread in NFL history. 
Now it goes back to 1990 because that's when the wild card started. Uh, that'd be the the largest point spread in wild card uh, NFL history. So, yeah, that's I think everybody's looking at that game uh, with a bit of a you know a side eye. Yeah, it, it I will get say ugly fast. I'm more impressed with the double digit line for the San Francisco and Seahawks, considering you're going what? starter starter versus third string the flipped way. Hold on, it, the, are you serious? Ten point line. No way. Ten point line. You know what? We got to talk about that. Um, I love the four. I like the 49ers. I love the 49ers. That's very strange. A 10 point line. 10 point line for a third string quarterback going against a starting quarterback. And they're meeting for the third time in a division foe, division yeah. rival. 10 point line. Wow. Okay. I got some. I guess you got some numbers on that that I want to share. Let's talk about that AFC uh, game that, that we all agree will be the most intriguing. Chargers uh, at the Jags. Jags actually hosting a, uh, a, a playoff game here. Chargers on the road versus the Jags. Trevor Lawrence has been playing really good football since November. He is second in the NFL in completion percentage. He is uh, in third, 69.7, third in passer rating, 104.6, and eighth in total QBR. Um, that, along with a defense that's playing, they're, they're not a very sound, structurally sound defense, but damn, they're opportunistic. Jacksonville, um, least in, not least in the NFL, they actually lead the NFL in points off of turnovers with 111, but they have 27 turnovers, um, which is a, a really high number. So that defense will make some plays to get Trevor Lawrence back the ball. If they are able to win the turnover margin versus the Chargers, that's something to watch. Big, that's a big factor in this matchup. Yeah, I mean, and this is one that, you know, I, I've been pretty on the record mm-hmm. of my lack of faith in this Chargers team and the leadership they have on it. You're not a Staley fan? I am not a Staley fan. No. Uh, I think that they have underachieved for what they should be doing with the talent they have. And right now, if you want to tell me who I think is the better coach in this matchup, I think we're going Doug Peterson all day long. Agreed. And we've seen what Doug Peterson could do when he basically had to undo what the previous coaches had done. He had to undo all of that for the first few weeks and then start putting them in the right direction. And now they are trending in the right direction. They have gone to, okay, now we're starting to figure, hey, Trevor Lawrence, this is the way you play football. You remember. Remember before you had the bad coaches. (laughs) Before Urban Meyer. Before (laughs) Urban. Remember that? And so we've seen him fix those problems. And, yeah, and if you, you figure out a defense where you say, look, we don't have the talent to do this. Let's figure out what we're good at and do that. They are. I mean, you're right. They look, and I love I love that Doug Peterson hire, um, but right now it, he's just looking like that was a home run, grand slam hire actually for him. Um, so I, I think that there is a chance that Jacks – I'm leaning Jacks too. I'm only leaning Jacks because I love me some Doug Peterson. They are at home. And my only concern would be the, the, the injuries – or at least the guys who are coming back from injury, I should say, for the Chargers. Joey Bosa, back for him now, too. Um, that's going to be big. They thought Mike Williams might be dealing with a back injury because Staley, I couldn't believe he did it. He left Mike Williams and he left Mike Williams and Joey Bosa in that game in Week 18, and both of them had to leave the game because of injury. It's a dang coaching mistake. Oh, now thankfully for him, it looks like they're okay. They're they're not gonna end up missing the playoff game, but that was a dang coach because there's, I believe, there was no way for the Chargers to improve their their playoff seating. They were just kind of locked in already. Um, that was a dang coaching mistake. But I, one thing I like about Jacksonville too, <clears throat> recently their pressure rate is one of the best in the NFL, top five uh, over the last five weeks. Arden Key. 
um, has the highest pressure rate in the NFL, actually. So he's getting better. His rate of trajectory is increasing. And and he's got the fourth most total pressures in that time span. And Josh Allen, also with Jacksonville Jaguars, he's sixth in that time span. So those guys are applying a ton of pressure. Jacksonville's very opportunistic. I like the way Trevor Lawrence is playing, and I like Doug Peterson. Um, But the Chargers overall are a more talented team. Oh, yeah. There's no question they got more talent uh, player for player looking at the roster. And that is – that's my concern. They they put it all together, and they play well, and Staley doesn't cost them um, with some of his his coaching mistakes uh, and some of his chess moves, I should say. Um, I I think they can end up winning the game. Right now I'm leaning Jags, though. I'll make my final pick tomorrow, but I'm leaning Jags. Yeah, I'm leaning Jags, too, and I think that this is a Jaguars team that even showed last week that they are a we're-not-going-to-die team, and that's something that really hurts a Chargers team that needs to be a little bit more flashy. They don't, they're not necessarily good at playing complimentary football and just ending games out and, you know, just, hey, let's just run the ball with Austin Eckler, who's having a great season, wow. but let's just run the ball with Austin Eckler and keep the ball in the field and not give the ball back. They tend to try and get a little fancy and just make bonehead plays at the end of games and allow teams to crawl back in. This is something Jacksonville can do very well. Yeah. And so (laughs) it's something where you say, I think Jacksonville can come out and beat them straight up or they can come back and beat them. And I think if the Chargers win, they basically have to come out and really beat the Jacksonville and get a big enough of a lead that they can not mess it up. Your Austin Eckler point is uh, a good one. He's got, I, I didn't realize this, and I guess I don't play fantasy uh, football, so I guess that's probably why I missed out on it. He had 107 receptions as a running back, second most in NFL history for a running back. 107 receptions. Yeah. That is, that's crazy. It, it's crazy, but it's also when you, see, that. when you see a guy like Eckler who you're like, this guy in space is next level. So we just got to get him in space, and that may not always be handing the ball off. The problem with that is when you try and do that in the fourth quarter when you have a seven-point lead, it's a lot riskier to try and do those things than just handing the ball off. And so if you've been trying to do those schematic things all game and that's what's getting him, and then in the fourth quarter you just start doing through the left tackle, through the left guard, through the right tackle, through the right guard, you may not be picking up a first down. And they've had some of those problems of basically – playing really smart football and schematic football for three quarters and then or two or for a half and the second half trying to simplify it and not necessarily Yeah. Oh no. Following through. No, which I, is a exactly common right. thing in the NFL. No, it's, well, it's, it's more common with the Chargers. You're totally right cuz I remember they've actually it's a crazy stat that Justin Herbert has actually had a lead on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in the fourth quarter. I want to say in like four games. But they have, but they haven't been able to win all those games. Yes. So it just goes to show you, just like you're saying, they can't find a way to close out uh, those tough matchups. So there you go, a little preview. We'll get deeper into these uh, numbers and into these matchups. I, I guarantee tomorrow. But just really quickly, because we were talking about, and I was shocked when Patrick brought it up. The 49ers are a double-digit favorite over Seattle. Here's a, a couple of numbers, just real quick. We won't go deep into this because I want to get into some of those NFL coaching vacancies and um, talk about uh, some big news that just broke, actually, college football news. A couple of college football stories we have to address, and one coming from TCU. We'll talk about that here in a second, um, next segment. But Brock Purdy, all right, making his first start uh, in the playoffs. I got some numbers for you, for you degenerate gamblers out there. But I'm not making fun of you. I'm a degenerate, too, just not the gambling variety. So, since 1990, rookie quarterbacks are 
10 and 17 in the playoffs. 3 and 10 over the last decade. 4 7 and 1 against the spread. Rookie quarterbacks are on wild card weekend in the last 20 years. 4 7 and 1 against the spread. First time starting quarterbacks as home favorites in the playoffs. That's Pump Fake Purdy. 8 and 14 straight up. 6 and 16 against the spread since 2002. Since 2002, first time starting quarterbacks making their first playoff start are 18 and 36 straight up, 17, 36, and 1 against the spread. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. a lot of those numbers are not, uh, they, they don't work out in, in, in favor of Brock Purdy. So I'll throw it out. So it's, it's something, about, something about first time and rookie starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, double digits. The third string rookie quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I was surprised when I saw it too, Rod. Yeah. No, no. I I am still I'm picking the 49ers. I mean, that's Oh no, I think 10 points is a but big 10 number. 10 points, that's a big number, but the 49ers have been rolling though offensively since Brock Purdy has become the starting quarterback, man. They really are. They they basically are playing their best offensive football of the season. So maybe that's what Vegas is seeing. So we'll break that matchup down more um tomorrow. But I mean, they have they've had they've had ten straight wins in eight games with thirty plus points. Thirty seven plus points in three straight games. They're scoring a lot of points. And that defense is the number one defense in the league. So that's what Vegas is looking at. All right, we come back. We'll get into uh, the NFL coaching carousel, the NFL coaching vacancies. Also, there are two big college football stories that we got to update you with. Uh, one just broke, and another one has been simmering all day long. We'll talk about that on one, uh, right here, coming up right here on 104 on the Horn. Welcome back to Ball Down Live right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a new theme Thursday. The theme today, paying tribute to one of the goats in the music industry. Jeff Beck uh, passed away yesterday, and uh, he was one of the greatest guitarists in music history. Um, so we're learning a lot about Jeff Beck today, courtesy of my man Patrick Davis, the idealionaire. And that's uh, what new theme Thursday is all about, a tribute uh, to his great works. You can be a part of the show, 512-337-3776. Uh, also hit us up via Twitter. I'm in right Davis in the Twitterverse. My man Patrick Davis said it's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. All right, a couple of big stories we got to hit here. That uh, one is a bit of an old story. One just broke, so let's hit the one uh, that's been around for a while, for a few hours. Kevin Warren, who was the Big Ten commissioner, is now who actually came from the NFL. He was actually an executive with the Vikings before uh, he took the job to be the Big Ten commissioner. Um, he is now leaving the Big Ten and is going to take the job as the new president and CEO of the Chicago Bears. How about that one? Talk about moving on up. And this is interesting because obviously the Bears, they're committed to Justin Fields. We think, we think. We think. They got the number one overall pick. We think. We think, right? We don't know for sure because there's, there's talk that if the Bears say they fall in love with a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud with that number one overall pick, that if they believe that those guys have a higher upside than a Justin Fields, Justin Fields actually ended the year 
playing really, really well. Uh, but he had an injury in the year, and it took them a while to kind of figure out how to utilize him. But they, there, there are reports that if the Bears do believe that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud have like a Super Bowl, you know, Hall of Fame ceiling in their evaluation, higher ceiling than Justin Fields, that they'll draft one of those guys and then potentially try to trade Justin Fields. Well, I think team. that is the deal, is I think what they're going to try and do is quietly see if there's any interest in Justin Fields, and if you get the right price for Justin uh, Fields, you restart the clock by much. drafting a new rookie. Yeah. So you go, hey, man, look, we get it, and we like Justin, but the way he plays is like Lamar Jackson. He is prone. He's going to be more prone to injury. It's the reality So do we want to have to make this decision on paying him in a few years, or do we want to buy ourselves a little bit more time, go get a quarterback who can put into more systems, mm-hmm. and get someone that we feel maybe has a little bit more upside than we feel Justin Fields does at this time, and we can get another pick or two and maybe get another first-rounder and a second and a fourth and a whatever else and get some other picks. And, and get, get a quarterback on a rookie deal. And yeah. get a quarterback on a rookie deal and more picks because we have way more holes to fill then, yeah, the way you talk about it, it, it seems more likely than I think than it makes not. sense depending on what you're getting. And no, in terms of just from a salary cap perspective and a draft cap perspective, it, it actually more than makes sense. It's probably the right thing to do. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams, but is we don't know what any of these quarterbacks are going to be. And, and that is especially a problem for the Bears, who have a terrible history of drafting quarterbacks. Oh, and worst. so if you found one that you think it can finally do something, do you want to play the odd? And do you want to go, hey, you know what? Uh, I just got blackjack. Exactly. Let it ride. <laughs> yeah. As a ground, you ever watch Family Guy? Yeah. Uh, and they always have the uh, the mystery box. The mystery box, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's essentially what the man would be like, hey, you know what? You I, want a free boat? <laughs> yeah. Or do you want what's in the mystery box? I got to tell you, mystery box looks pretty interesting. <laughs> 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 uh, that's what. So we'll see with the Bears. But he's going to – this is an interesting story, too, a little tidbit, a little nugget about this uh, new relationship because if he's going to be the new CEO and president, right now Justin Fields is the face of that franchise. Remember, they once went head-to-head. Remember, Justin Fields was representing the uh, the Big Ten players during the COVID, remember the COVID situation where the Big Ten uh, administration and even Warren himself, the commissioner, they were voting to try to cancel the season. And I remember the players were forming their own organization to combat that. They did fight it, and the council actually changed their minds. Justin Fields was the face of that group or one of the main faces of that group. So he and Kevin Warren had been face-to-face before, even going back to his college days when he was Big Ten commissioner. And then most recently, there were several reports that Kevin Warren was at the Bears-Vikings game uh, this past season. And he stopped through the Bears locker room, and there are reports that he went in to say hi to Justin Fields. Because he and Justin Fields maintained that relationship that they had during that COVID uh, negotiation or whatever it was. So that's something to throw out there, too. So I, I don't know if Kevin Warren really likes Justin Fields or maybe he don't like him at all. And he's like, hey, as soon as I get in, this dude's out. I like. I think Kevin Warren is a smart guy and he will know what his options are and he will make a good decision. That is what I will say about Kevin Warren because I think it comes down to – you know, do you get the trade value for Justin Fields, or do people know you're up against it? And they go, "Well, you know, we don't really want Justin Fields. If we're giving you that, we want the first round pick." 
We t- we'd rather have the number one overall pick than Justin Fields. Uh, and then you got to, you, know, you know what? That's a catbird seat situation. Hey, what are you going to give me for that? Either yeah. give me an offer for Justin Fields or make me an offer for the number one overall pick. Yeah. And then you can go to every team around the league and basically do that. You want make me an offer for the number one overall pick or make me an offer for Justin Fields, and you can take what the best offer is. That's, yeah. that's not bad. I mean, that's actually not a bad situation for the Bears. And maybe that's what uh, you know uh, Kevin Warren's looking at, too. He's like, hey, I got a really good situation here. Because based on what you talked about, about the collecting the draft capital and potentially resetting with the rookie contract, he really can be in a great situation for a new president, but kind of finding them in a prime position now to start stockpiling some talent. Yeah, and I mean, and you can sit with, if you want to say you keep Justin Fields, well, now if you turn that first-round pick into seven more picks over the next few years, that's more resetting the clock on a bunch of your other positions and you're able to, even if you say, well, out of those seven picks, we got four starters. That's four people that you're not having to pay for a little while. And that helps you rebuild your team, even if you have to pay a Justin Fields. But he, you're paying him because he's doing well. That means you have other players. But you're in a good position if you're the Bears because the Texans don't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably true words have never been spoken. You know what? Right now, I, I think you've convinced me and I've convinced myself. I think I'd draft a quarterback and trade Justin Fields. I think that's what, I, I, that's what I think I'd lean toward doing. Because I like Justin Fields. I don't love Justin Fields. I think he's good. I don't think he's great. I think Bryce Fields or C.J. Stroud have a potential to have a higher ceiling. Yeah. But like I said, that's mystery box stuff. It is mystery box. <laughs> if, you, if it turns out those guys are duds, then you just, you know, you just messed over yourself. And you really put yourself in a compromising position there. Uh, okay, the other big news, the other college story uh, and this just broke probably maybe an hour ago or so. Clemson is set to hire TCU's offensive coordinator Garrett Riley to be their next OC. Uh, they fired Brandon Streeter today, who was their OC, um, and a deal could be finalized. Yeah, moment probably finalized already, or then within the day, within 24 hours. Riley won the Bros Award for the nation's top assistant coach this season uh, as TCU's OC. Um, but it looks like hey, you got another Riley moving on to bigger and better things, and this time uh, Garrett Riley moving on to Clemson as the OC. And I guarantee you, Joe Gillespie, he won't be there long either. The DC, they're gonna lose both of those coordinators, and if they don't lose Joe Gillespie this offseason, they'll probably lose him next offseason if that defense can maintain some type of uh, consistency. They can still be in the same neighborhood of productivity they were this year. He won't be there uh, very long either. And this is part of the test of a great coach. You know, yes, it's about maximizing talents, about acquiring talents, about developing talents, about you know, also you know, developing your coaches. But you got to be identify coaching talent because if you're good, you're gonna lose it. If you're good, that coaching talent is gonna be gone, and it's yep. a compliment to you. It's the ultimate. It's like it's the most annoying compliment possible. It's basically <laughs> like somebody hitting on your wife. All right, my wife's my wife's a hot woman. She gets hit on and flirted with all the time. It's great. It's an annoying compliment though. All right, you 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 feel like, hey man, and my wife, she's hot. Of course, she's gonna get hit on. But it's a little bit annoying that you're hitting on my wife, and I'm literally within a stone's throw over here. All right, yeah, so just cool off. That's that's what it is. It's an annoying compliment. That's the reality of it. I think for Sonny Dykes, if he's a good coach, I think he is. You know, right now, of course, he's in that conversation. He's just coming off a national title run. This will be another test as to where, whether he's a good coach or not. Because if you're great, you're bringing in top. You always got a list of top notch talents, and you're constantly bringing in and developing that coaching talent as well. That's it. Yeah, it's it's developing players. It's developing coaches. Never stops. 
Yeah. <laughs> For if you it never as I say Sean McVay, I know why Sean McVay wants to hang it up. Sean McVay has had the most coaching turnover on his staff through the first six years in NFL history. Not even Bill Walsh, not even Bill Parcells had more turnover on their staff than Sean McVay. He's exhausted. And and who are the, who are the Texans <laughs> just put in an interview for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Uh, the, the running backs coach, Remember, Thomas yeah. Jones. Was yeah. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's still, another one. It's another one. <laughs> and and, and it'll, it'll continue to happen. That's why he told all of his coaches, all of y'all can seek uh, interviews elsewhere because I might be hanging it up. And I get it because I think that has exhausted him a little bit more so than most coaches in their first five years they make it that far because having to re you know reorganize reassign and retool the coaching staff year after year in addition to the roster year after year yeah that's just brutal and still be competitive yeah, yeah. win a Super Bowl last year won a Super Bowl last year um all right so Did we uh, note uh Ovia uh, Gofu has found his spot yes that's a nice little nugget too I didn't even mention that yeah a lot of stuff dropping Ovia Gofu uh found a spot with LSU how the hell is that possible I'm not I'm saying that but like how does he have eligibility still I don't know, but it was because he it a grad, a grad transfer? transfer. It might be a grad transfer. Because he left, he left Notre Dame with Brian Kelly. Oh, you're right. He's back with Brian Kelly. Good back point. with Brian Kelly. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But left Notre Dame, came to Texas, and did great for Texas. Left Texas, went to LSU, and now he's got eligibility left. That's everybody, amazing. dude, everybody's got eligibility. That we COVID year just uh, it really gave everybody an extra year, and then I think guys are now using that medical year. And strange, and I don't know how that works too. Guys yeah. are using the medical year, and I'm like, I don't even think they had medical issues. No, I heard Betts and Stinnett just went to Georgia, though. <laughs> Is he, he got disguised. True, true freshman, Betts and Stinnett. <laughs> he shaved. He shaved his head. <laughs> got a weird little got a weird haircut. That's uh, I like that. Uh, he's 25. Uh, even even Kirby Smart made face like, guy, he's 25. He's got to go. He's got to go. He got to get out of here. I I agree with that too. We all want to see Stetson. Yeah, man, go. He ain't on his parents' insurance no more. Exactly. Come on. That man, he's a grown man out there now. Uh, all right, we'll come back. We'll get uh, wrap this thing up, put it in the oven, let you know what's on tap right here on Ball Don't Line 1049. Pop a top again. You mind if I have some of your tasty beverage to wash? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been known to drink a beer or two. I think a man working outdoors feels more like a man if you can have a bottle of suds. It's only my opinion. Sir. I got beer. I got bottled breast milk. Eh, why don't we start with the beer? Okay. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Wait, it's already 5 o'clock here. It's time for What's on Tap. How about a nice cool drink? That's oh, really man, good. That's good. That's that is... Pop a top again. All right, welcome back to Bar Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Getting ready to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven. Uh, before we do, we'll let you know what's on tap. If you miss any part of any of the programs, please go to hornfm.com. You can catch up with them on the podcast page. Tomorrow, how about this? You're going to have uh, Rodney Terry on with B&E. How about that? Very nice. It's going to be a good 10, interview. 8, 8, 10 a.m. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be great. So uh, head coach Rodney Terry will be on with B&E tomorrow at 8, 10 a.m. Um, also, uh, we'll let you know uh, tomorrow more about our predictions for the conference championship and the Super Bowl. Uh, Longhorn Blitz coming up next, so don't go anywhere. Stay tuned for that. I want to thank my man Patrick for doing a great job. Thank my man Harge as well, and thank you for listening. Remember, the revolution will not be televised. We'll be talking about it right here on Ball. Don't lie. We love you guys. We mean that. Take care of yourselves, but more importantly, take care of each other. Peace.